This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. This is a season of celebration. I am celebrating the 28th birthday of my company, Trans Leadership. This is also the time of spring, the time of new growth, new beginnings. And my own birthday was also in March. So at this season, there's so much to celebrate. There's so much to look forward to and to thank God for, for this new opportunity and this new season. So today, what I'd like to do is to share with you just 10 ideas, 10 strategies that I've learned from running my company and business for 28 years. Perhaps a few things that I wish I had known when I started at the beginning so that you can benefit from this, whether you're in a corporate setting or if you're in an entrepreneurial setting. When I started Trans Leadership 28 years ago, I was very excited. I saw purpose, I saw calling, and I had a mission for what I really wanted to do and the people who I wanted to resource in the workplace. I really did see the value of applying psychology and behaviorally-based principles to business and also to leadership. And as I've shared before, I first saw the connection, first learned of the value when I was an active duty army officer. And in the army, we had to consult with commanders, consult with leaders, and identify ways that the environment, the culture could better support the soldiers and better support the mission. And so it was then that I said, oh, psychology really does have something to offer in the leadership space. Now, in my case, even though I had many jobs that were W-2 jobs, and therefore that meant a steady paycheck coming in, so I knew what that was like, prior to starting my current company, I did run a successful and thriving entrepreneurial business, which was my private practice. And that private practice was in more than one state, more than one location. And that didn't mean that I had a W-2 job because I really didn't have a W-2 job. I had to bring in the money and the resources every week, every month. And what was different about that business in comparison to what I have now, that was what you call a B2C business, business to customer or consumer. So individual clients, they paid me directly for the services that I provided. When I started Trans Leadership, I knew that was a different model. I was going for a B2B business, business to business. Individuals would no longer pay me, but companies, corporations would pay me for the services that I offered to individuals, groups, teams, or even the whole corporation, depending on what was the nature of the work that I would do for those organizations. When I first started out, I would say that my expertise was as a subject matter expert. I knew about the principles of psychology. I knew about human behavior 
and human motivation. I even knew a lot about leadership at the point when I started my company. So that is expertise in a particular subject matter. And I knew that that was the subject matter I wanted to use in order to resource the companies who would be my clients. So number one, understand how your subject matter expertise affects the core business of your customers and of your clients. It's not enough just to have the subject matter expertise. You have to be able to translate your expertise into offerings and into results that will elevate the core business and the core purpose and mission of those people who will be your clients. And you'll have to show it to them and demonstrate it because it may not be intuitively obvious. Most business people, unless they're thinking about their employee assistance program, are not thinking how a psychologist could potentially help with leadership or help to build a culture that is thriving. So that's what you have to educate the customer about is how that can occur. So number one, you have to go beyond your subject matter expertise and figure out how to apply it to whatever it is your customer ultimately wants to do. Number two, I would say, to identify your unique marketplace value, your distinctives, the way that you benefit your client that may be different from other people who are in the same space that you are in. There will be lots of people who do what you do. However, not necessarily those who do it how you do it. So one of the things that's important is to figure out what are your uniquenesses, the unique lenses that you are bringing to your expertise. So in my case, I'm bringing a leadership lens. I'm bringing a biblically-based spiritual lens. I'm also bringing a psychological lens and perspective and a lens with more than 30 years of experience in the marketplace in all of the sectors. I've worked in the for-profit sector, for the longest period of time and with the most clients. I've also worked in the not-for-profit sector with major foundations, Christian ministries, churches, and other entities. And I have also worked with the U.S. government and also multiple branches of the U.S. military. So that experience and expertise and me being an Army officer myself, I am bringing some lenses that not everyone else is bringing to the marketplace. And I leverage the insights, the learning, and the experience for the benefit of people who may not be in those sectors at all. And yet the lessons apply across multiple sectors. So you have to know What is your unique, distinctive, your marketplace value in the workplace? And then how to leverage that both for your success and primarily for your client's success. Because if you're not benefiting your client, who wants to pay you for whatever value you're bringing? So you want to be valuable, bring something that your clients both want and also need. This means number Three, that you want to know your target market and be able to speak to their pain points as well as their aspirations. One of the things that I know is that the people 
who are my most ideal clients. These are people who know that they are called to be marketplace ministry leaders, executives at high levels in large global corporations. They understand and they appreciate the fact that they can improve the culture for the benefit of the corporation's mission, and they can develop people both for the individual's benefit as well as the company's benefit in providing their core services or products. And they do this because of their Christian values and not in spite of them. So they may not be able to preach at work. They may not be able to proselytize at work or even to say much. However, every day they are a shining light in that workplace that speaks volumes to the people who work there. And some will ask you, what is it that makes you different? What is it that makes you unique? And in some cases, you will have an opportunity to go even further than what you normally might do. So in this respect, I would say I have clients who are Christians. I have clients who are not. For those who are Christians, I can go to some deeper levels with them. Yeah, we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about what they can do in their corporation to make a difference. We're going to talk about their culture. We're going to talk about the people in their organization and the positioning of their products and services. And at the same time, we also are going to talk about what does God say about what they're facing right now. And sometimes it's a word of encouragement that the leaders I'm working with need because they'll see the roadblocks. They see the barriers to being able to show up in the fullness of all that they are. And yet when we talk about it, I show them how God is there, prepared to strengthen and to resource them for whatever the mission is. And we also talk about the supernatural, spiritual, not only gifts that they have, but the ways that God resources them for what they have to do. And then they realize it's not as hard as it might look, because if God is for you, who can be against you? He will take you through the difficult times. He'll take you through the wilderness journeys that you might have to go through. So I think that that's an important point. I would also say that earlier in my career, had I discovered earlier both my points of uniqueness and distinction and maybe understood even better the target markets than I was going after at earlier stages of my business, that I probably would also do less work that fell into the subcontracting bucket. When you are a subcontractor, you don't have the direct relationship with the client. And whenever their business downturns, whenever there are challenges, you're the first to go very often. Whereas when you have the direct relationship with the client, you are the one who helps and leads that client through the dark times, through the difficult times. You're the difference maker and they trust you because their direct relationship is with you. So doing both of those would have helped me to do less subcontracting work, work, which is not as lucrative, even though you're doing the same work. Because in my case, it was my intellectual property, and it was mostly what I was bringing to the table to do the subcontracted work. So if I could do it 
under someone else's umbrella, I could also do it under my own. So if you're an entrepreneur out there, think about that. If you're working inside of a corporation, inside of an entity, it's fine that you are bringing your intellectual property and using the intellectual property of the organization that's already there to make a difference for your customers because perhaps the corporation's reach is beyond what you would want to create yourself in an entrepreneurial business. And that's fine. That's okay. So feel free to lend your skills and abilities to the corporation and you will also benefit as well. Number four, I would say I would invest even more time early on learning about sales and marketing. At this point, not only am I learning about the core craft of my subject matter expertise, I make sure that I'm learning about business and particularly sales and marketing. No matter what business you're in, the core of it is sales and marketing. So if you're in a larger corporation, you may not be the one who's doing the front-end marketing, the front-end sales. However, when you meet with a customer and anytime you're meeting with a client or customer of your business, you want to understand how the offerings of your corporation will help the clients that are in your target market. And you have to be able to articulate that, to demonstrate that value so that your customer and client wants to continue doing business with you and your corporation. If you are an entrepreneurial leader, then you may have a lot of front-end marketing and or sales work that you do, even if you have a sales and marketing team. And so it's important that you understand what it means to be in front of your customer and to articulate how you are value added for them. What is the difference you're bringing? What's the difference you're going to make? So inside the corporation, understand the positioning that your sales and marketing professionals are putting in place to attract and retain the best customers for your business. Which brings me to number five, which is to speak the language of your target market. You need to know where the people are who are in your target market, how you can find them. And in some businesses, that's online, in social media. Some people are looking for you through Google. They'll find your website, and that may be how they retain your services. In my industry, people are looking for me primarily through referrals, people they trust, people who they respect, who also know me. So it's important for me to be in the right networks, the right circles, where people who know me can be the trusted referral person to advise someone that they know. Say, oh, you're dealing with that issue. I know just the person who can help you. You need to call Dr. Karen. She's the one who can make a difference. And I recall many years ago, this happened with my company where someone was referred to me by someone else and they didn't want to come to me for whatever reason and everywhere they went for what they were looking for everyone told them you need to go talk to Dr. Carito finally one day I was in a hallway in a building doing something else not related to this entity going up and down some stairs 
ran into someone I knew who was walking with the person who had been referred to me multiple times. And that's how I met that individual. And we finally connected and finally did some business together. So as my husband would often say, it's not even so much who you know, rather who knows you. And you want to be known by those who are in a position to say, you need to see so-and-so. I would also say in my business, although we have a strong online presence and particularly in social media, the bulk of our clients, in addition to referral person to person, come from those times when I am in front of people who are my target market and I have an opportunity to do professional speaking that addresses what they're trying to address in their business. So my best clients have come from direct referral or from speaking engagements. And I know that that's how I find them. So you have to know where your people are and how to find them. And if I think about social media channels, the one that's most relevant since my target market are corporate executives and secular global companies, the majority of them will be on LinkedIn. That doesn't mean they're necessarily looking for me there. However, I can also be looking for them in the LinkedIn space. They're not typically looking for me on Instagram, even though I have a presence there. So again, you have to know where your people are located. Number six, I would say you want to create repeatable systems for lead generation. In other words, for getting in front of those people who can benefit from your products and services. And when you're in front of them, you want to then inspire them to want to talk to you about how they can engage with you. So you don't want to be hit or miss. You want to have a repeatable system for making this take place. The rhythm of when you do public speaking, if that's important, the networking kinds of associations and events that you are part of where you're going to meet either direct potential customers and clients or those who can refer you to the direct customers and clients. Likewise, you want to create, let's say if your market's predominantly online, you may want to create some online offerings, some online experiences and events where you can meet people and where a certain percentage of those you meet will choose to work with you. So again, it depends on your target market where they can be found and how they best prefer to procure products and services in the marketplace. And when you get in front of these prospects through whatever lead generation vehicle you're using, you want to give them a taste of what it is that you bring. And I have found that when I have that complimentary session with people, and I'm able in a short period of time to help them think about something that they weren't thinking about to give additional perspective and to move the needle in a significant way that increases the likelihood that they will want to do additional work and more work to get more of that. Because my whole thing is really about accelerating and elevating their leadership impact. So they might get there, but if it took two years, well, the market may have moved already by the time they figure that out. So again, be thinking about what it is that you're bringing that may be faster, better, or somehow 
it's elevating the impact of the people that you are working with. So I would say if the people like the cool drink of water that you bring, then they will come back to get another cool glass of water. And that's a good thing. That's what you want. And so in my case, this is why speaking is so important because they get a little taste in the speaking environment for sure. Number seven, I would say understand your numbers, understand your financials. This is the cost of doing business. You've got to understand and what it takes to be profitable. There's a formula for figuring out what you should charge for certain services. You don't want to be working for free. So you've got to know your numbers. You've got to know what's involved. If you have to hire other people to work with you, there's a cost associated with that. If you're in a corporation, the same thing is true. You still want to understand how the business operates. If you are just a cost center costing the business money, you are possibly vulnerable to being cut. However, even if you are a function that seems like it's ancillary, if you learn and understand what's important to your business and how your company adds value and makes money, you can, from whatever seat you sit in, also increase the likelihood that the company will be profitable because of what you focus on. So remember, no matter what chair you're in, if you understand the business, you can bring value that's also profitable. Very important to think about. Number eight, I would say to continue to learn and to grow. And every day, every year, I'm learning something new. I'm continuing to grow in my core expertise, leadership, psychology, and the business application of that. I'm going to take 30 credit hours every year in that space. I'm also taking continuing education, getting mentoring and coaching from people who know more about business than I do so I can expand my horizons and get there faster. So don't be afraid to pay for classes, continuing education, to pay for consultants, to pay others who know more than you do or who have business knowledge that you don't have so you can get there faster and more effectively as well. No one knows everything by themselves. Therefore, this is an important piece of the continuing education and learning and growing. I would also say, if you're in a corporate setting, a lot of your learning and growing is going to come from the specific jobs that you have. So make sure you have a well-rounded exposure in your business. So if you've been kind of just only on the finance side, Get involved in something that's maybe a little more core to the business. Try a different role. Get deeper exposure so you're not limited to just your subject matter expertise silo. So number nine, I would also say leverage and benefit from all of your past learning. There's not a day or week that goes by when I don't benefit from what I learned when I was in the military as an active duty officer, what I've learned from working with other corporations besides the ones that I'm working with now, what I've learned in a nonprofit sector or working for the government, all of this past learning 
benefits me today and continues to benefit my clients because of how I use that learning. Not only is your learning about what to do, it's also about what not to do. And one of the things I learned from a previous mentor, and I still apply this learning today, is to spend my time with the person who can say yes to an opportunity, the one who can write their name on the bottom line, the check, and say, I want that. This is a service I think will benefit my company and the people in my company. So often, we are working with gatekeepers who can typically only say no. So if you're working with a gatekeeper and their role is to say no or just to find information out, but they really can't say yes to the opportunity, your only role with the gatekeeper is to get introduced to the true economic buyer. And that's where you want to have your conversation with those who are truly the buyers in the process. So that was the lesson I learned painfully of what not to do. And when I spent too much time with the wrong people, a lot of contracts never materialized because I wasn't in the right rooms talking to the right persons. So that's a powerful example of what not to do that still serves me to this day. Number 10, and this is huge, is you must continue to reinvent yourself. The marketplace is continually changing. And you have to change and adjust with the marketplace to become more nimble, more agile. And this is why the continuing education is so important, because what you need to learn for this marketplace may be different from what you learned two years ago. And in the post-pandemic environment that we're in now, business is very different from how it was before. And because that marketplace is changing so much. You want to know how it's changing. You want to anticipate in advance what your customers are going to need to be successful and sometimes to figure that out even before they do. This way, you're getting them ready, ramped up, and prepared so that they're first to the market with what I call their creative advantage. If people don't figure out their distinctives, their value add, if they don't figure out how to educate their customers so that their customers understand that value add and how they are different from others, or if you're in the corporation, how your business and what you provide is different from what the others in the marketplace are providing. And if you don't have the value add that makes you distinctive, this keeps you competing as the low-cost player and provider. And most people don't want to be that because it's hard to be successful as the low-cost player and provider. So the more you understand your distinctives, the more you understand what's in the best interest of your customer and client, and you can articulate that, you can bring that value to your client, then what you are doing is bringing creative advantage to the marketplace, which first benefits your customer, benefits your client, and creates a good business for you too, whether you're in the corporation and engaging in contracts there, or if you're an entrepreneurial business leader. So this is what we are doing every year. This is what we're doing 
constantly in our business is paying attention to these 10 variables that I just shared with you. And at the beginning of the year, I mentioned that we are in the middle of a rebrand that relates to Marketplace Challenge and Change, and it's an opportunity. And you'll start to see the effects of that rebranding in the new website that we're developing and also other messages that will be out in social media and other places. So stay tuned. So I'll just review quickly those 10 items. Number one, leverage your subject matter expertise for your client's business success, for your company's business success, and particularly the core business that your corporation is involved in. Number two, identify your own uniqueness in the marketplace. If you're a corporation and a big company, understand your distinctives, understand how they benefit your customers and clients. If you're a smaller entrepreneurial business, do the same. Number three, speak the language of your target market, know their pain points, understand their aspirations, and make sure that you speak into that and show how what you're offering will make a difference. Number four, learn sales and marketing, whether you're in sales or marketing or not. Because even if there's a big sales team out there, a separate marketing entity in your corporation, you need to understand how those messages are being positioned and in front of the customers that your company serves so that wherever you are, You're in alignment with that or can bring new information that can inform it so it can be done even better. And five, I would say, speak the language again of your target market. Know where they are, where they exist. Find them there. And when you find them, number six, create some repeatable systems for the lead generation, whether it be public speaking, whether it be certain groups that you're affiliated with, associations, networking groups, whether it's your presence online, on social media, wherever it is, you want to have a repeatable system for getting in front of potential prospects and customers, and then giving them a taste or a sample of what it is that you bring to the marketplace so that they then are inspired to drink more of the water that you bring. Number seven, understand your numbers, understand your financials, what makes your company profitable, what the cost is to actually do business in your space. You don't want to be working at a deficit or working for free. You want to benefit the customer and also be able to feed your own family. Number eight, continue to learn and grow. Take continuing education in your subject matter expertise and also in the business that you're in, whatever it is. And that includes the sales and marketing that I mentioned and be willing to pay for that expertise. Leverage and benefit from all of your past learning. That's number nine, because you can still use a lot of that today. And number 10, continue to reinvent. As the world changes, you need to change and to be ready for the opportunity that comes with whatever the current change is. So as we close today, I'm going to close with a verse that comes from Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, starting with verse 18. And it says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he 
who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, this is God speaking to his people, the children of Israel, who he promised to bless if they were faithful to him. And God is still in the blessing business. He is still the one who gives us the power to get wealth. Does that mean that every person will be financially wealthy? No. However, you will be able to support your family. He will provide food, shelter, and clothing, just as he says in Matthew 6 and 30 to 33. He reminds us that as we focus on him and his purposes, that he will take care of the mundane things of food, shelter, and clothing. So we look back at Israel. We look back at God's chosen people, see how he took care of them, and we have confidence that he's doing the same today. So happy 28th birthday to Trans Leadership. Happy spring and God's blessings on you, your life, and your business. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.